Hello and welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie and in this episode I have a dramatic crime thriller from Senegal to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so this week I'm going to be talking about the show Sako e Mangin. It is a Kiyu production. It was created by Jean-Luc Herbelou. It first aired in Senegal in 2018 on Canal Plus Afrique before being put on Netflix in 2020. I think it was added to Netflix here in the US in 2021 because I didn't see it on there before the end of August. But anyways, there's one season with eight episodes up there now, and they're all about 52 minutes long. The show takes place in Dakar, which is the capital of Senegal, and Senegal's official name is the Republic of Senegal. It's located in West Africa. It's bordered by Mauritania to the north, Mali to the east, Guinea to the southeast, Guinea-Bissau to the southwest. And it almost surrounds all of the Gambia, which is located in the southwestern part of the country. And the North Atlantic Ocean separates Senegal from Cape Verde to the west. The show that takes place the closest to where this show takes place is actually Vagabond from South Korea. Part of that show is set in Tangier, Morocco, which is 1,610 miles away from Dakar. The Nigerian show Crazy Lovely Cool, which has the entire show set at the University of Nigeria, Nsuka Enugu State, is 1,760 miles away from Dakar. I will put a map up on Instagram like I do for every show so you can see exactly where this show takes place in regards to those two other shows. Some fun facts about Senegal are it will be the first African country to host the Olympics next year. The Youth Olympics Games will have events in Dakar, Diamniadju, and Sali. The most popular sport is Lam or wrestling. Soccer is the national sport of Senegal, but wrestling is far more popular, drawing in over 70,000 spectators per fight. Senegal has never had a coup d'etat, and there has never been one even attempted. It is one of the most politically stable countries, not just in Africa, but in the world. It doesn't pick sides as far as international conflicts, and it's never been in a war with any of its neighboring countries. And it's considered one of the safest countries to visit in Africa. There's a lake about an hour east of Dakar that is pink. Lakretba has a bacteria that gives off a pink color when absorbing sunlight. The reason the bacteria can survive is because of the level of salt in the water. Online, it says the best time to visit this lake is during the dry season, which is between December and January. So, fairly small gap, but I bet you that'd be absolutely beautiful to go see. The tallest statue in Africa is the African Renaissance Monument. We see this statue in the opening minutes of the show. It is 49 meters tall, which is 160.7 feet. It cost around $27 million to build and was designed and created by North Korean artists. It's a beautiful statue, and again, we see it uh, in this show several times. And the final fun fact I have for you is that Akon is creating his own city in Senegal. Akon City. Akon was born here in the U.S., but moved to Senegal and lived there before moving to New Jersey when he was seven. He and his family still spent a lot of time in Senegal after moving to New Jersey when he grew up. And Akon's plan for Akon City cost $6 billion and will be located where the town of Mbodien is located. There are mixed reviews of how people feel about it, and there are also people who don't think he'll actually be able to do it. I'm definitely interested to see what happens because it's supposed to be like a real life Wakanda, so who knows? Uh, if anyone can do it, I do think it's Akon. They speak mainly French in this show, but we do hear them speak some Lebu Wolof, which is the language of the Lebu people. There is an audio alternative in English, and subtitles are available in closed caption English, closed caption French, Spanish, simplified Chinese, and traditional Chinese. 
This show is rated TVMA. The disclaimers that Netflix has for the show are language and smoking. The links to all the websites where I got the information for this show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. Hello, one and all, to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. <laughs> Hello, who's this? Let's just, just don't hurt the kids, okay? Who would win in a steel cage match between Andy Crane, Andy Peters versus Nilby Cannon and Tommy oh. Boyd? Sounds like a scratchy robot chicken. 12-inch BA Barackers. Dolls that you do. Didn't really, didn't you really do like a 12 inch. <sighs> Here we go. Uh, it worked how I think it's going to work. It's going to be bang average. No, oh, I'm just I'm just over it now. So the cast for this show is pretty straightforward, so I'm just going to go over them pretty quickly. The first two are the two main officers that we see working the different cases in this show. Commander Soleiman Sako, he is played by Isaka Sawadogo, and Lieutenant Basil Mangan, and he is played by Jan Gale. Their boss is Mama Ba, she's played by Christiane Domon, and Mama is like ma'am. It's like in the Nigerian shows how we hear them say ma a lot, they're, they're not actually calling them mom it's just a term of respect two other officers that we see are pope who's played by ricky tribor and moose who is played by ndaga mbo pope is from france and moved to senegal for the position in the police force and was really hoping to be able to work alongside sako and we don't really know a lot about moose but him and pope do bump heads at times because moose thinks that pope needs to get over the fact that mangan is working alongside sako and not him so that's kind of like their roles in the show. The two other characters that work with the police are Tubop, the pathologist, who is played by Christophe Guibet, and he is unusual. And Awa, who's played by Kalima Gaji. I wasn't sure exactly what she did because we see her at the canteen that's like right outside the police station, but also sitting at a desk in the police station. So it wasn't until she mentioned that she actually worked at both places that I like stopped feeling like I was losing my mind and then they kept throwing her in places like randomly. So she isn't a police officer but she helps out where she can I guess. And finally the last character that I'm going to mention is Antoinette. She is a journalist that like most journalists in shows like this they're just trying to get the story before all the other journalists and sometimes she gets in the way and sometimes she helps. And she is played by Fatou Alispa. So those are the main characters that we see in the show. There are other characters, but they are either there for an episode or two or just mentioning them as a spoiler. So I'm going to leave that list there. As always, I'll post the photos of these actors on Instagram so you can see if you recognize any of them before actually watching the show. Okay, so the description that Netflix has for the show is a by-the-book police captain and a brash young detective must team up to take on the supernatural when strange forces begin to wreak havoc on Dakar. And the show opens up with the following text. It is in French, but this is what the subtitles say that the French text says. The first inhabitants of Cape Verde Peninsula, Dakar, are traditionally fishermen, very attached to the rites and mysteries of their religion. And after the text disappears, we see a fisherman on Tongen Island collecting crabs on the beach, and he comes across the body of a white woman. Now, this is significant for two reasons. One, only Lebu are allowed to go to Tongen Island, and two, the island is forbidden to women and children except for the priestess, 
and this white woman is neither Lebu or the priestess. So her being on this island to begin with, even if she was alive, would have been a huge issue. But the fact that her dead body was found on the island is taken as a sign by the Lebu something bad is about to happen to them. And there is another reason why they are afraid as well, but I'll keep that a mystery for you guys. But after he finds the woman, we see the intro. And when we come back from the intro, we are now in Kermo Market in downtown Dakar. And this is when we first meet Sako and Mangin. And we see Sako slowly sipping his drink as we see different shots from around the butcher's stall that he's like hanging around outside are shown. We see that he has one headphone in his left ear and we see Pope to his right. And we see the group of men that they are watching. So you don't really know who any of these people are, but it's kind of clear that they are waiting for something to happen. And then we hear some of the conversation that those guys are having. There are two main guys. The one that looks like he is in charge says that they're going to taste the drug that the other one is trying to sell to them. And he says that if they like it, they'll buy it. But if they don't, then he's going to suffer the consequences, which probably means that they will kill him. But we see the guy that has brought them the drugs and from the promo photos for this show and the trailer that plays when you click on the show on Netflix, we know that it is Mangen. And at first it's kind of assumed that he is working undercover to help Sako with his case. And the case is that they're trying to catch this drug dealer person, Buki. They're hoping that through this sting operation that they'll be able to capture Buki who Sako has a bit of a history with based on how determined he is to capture them. But one of the other officers goes over the radio and says that there's no sign of Buki being there and asks if they should go in once the deal is made. And Sako doesn't say anything right away. He really only cares about catching Buki, so he literally doesn't care about the drugs or anything else. But meanwhile, the main guy that we saw in the drug deal tries the drug and goes in for a second taste. And Mangane is like, hey, one's enough. I don't know what you think this is, but you only get one taste. And he lifts his shirt to reveal that he has a gun tucked into his jeans. And it's right after that that Sako sends in his men. And during this following sequence of them rushing in and arresting people, we realize that Sako doesn't know that Mangin is a police officer. Meaning that that assumption that he was there undercover is now in question. Is he undercover? Is he bad cop? We have no idea. It doesn't help that Mangin grabs the bag of drugs that one of the other guys is trying to run away with and like kicks a police officer and just makes a run for it. So it's kind of understandable why Sako didn't think he was a cop. While he's running, Sako is calmly walking to his car and driving around looking for him and eventually he catches up to him. Mangin tries to do some fancy flip off the hood of Sako's car, which why bro but Sako is able to grab him pins him to the ground and without dropping the cigarette from his mouth Mangan asks him who he is and when Sako shows him his badge he responds oh a colleague and Sako looks at him like excuse me and then Sako checks his bag and he finds the drugs that Mangan was trying to sell to those guys and Mangan kind of laughs when Sako asks him if it's for his report and then calls him an imbecile basically implying that he's a crooked cop and Sako does take Mangan into custody, but before we see them back at the station, we do see a shot of some of the locals in Tanjen talking about how they won't help the police or the white man who was there because the woman was a Belgian national, but they're like, we won't help them. They won't be able to do what they want to do. Absolutely no way. And there is a reason for that, but there's also a way around it and a way for them to work with the police. But I'm not going to say exactly what the reason is because 
Despite Sako wanting to arrest Mangan for being a corrupt cop, he is forced to work with him at the beginning of this case for that reason. I'm not gonna say why, but back at the station, it's also where we first meet Mama Ba for the first time. It is her legit first day as the new commander for the new pilot program that this unit works for, so talk about just jumping right into the fucking flames. She mentions that Sako was up for the position that she has and kind of implies that like maybe like this will be a reason why he doesn't listen to her, he doesn't like her, whatever. But he says that that's not true and she asks him if her promotion bothers him and he says no, he thinks it's the right decision to hire a woman for the role. He just wasn't expecting someone so young. And this is when Mama Ba tells him about the body that was found on the island and that she needs him to help recover the body because the Belgian embassy was pressuring her to recover the body. But he says that he's a bit overqualified for that type of operation and that most of his time is focused on the other case involving Buki. And she says she's sorry, but the case with the Belgian woman is more politically important at the moment and they need someone overqualified to take care of it to make sure that it gets done right. He asks her what island and she tells him Tongan Island and he says right away that they won't give in and he mentions that it's a sacred island and that the Lebu people forbid anyone who's not Lebu from accessing it and he advises her to stop now but she doesn't back down and what they talk about next may be obvious for some of you but maybe not for others. I'm not going to say it either way. You'll have to watch the show to see if you're right. But that's where I'm going to leave it. That's only about eight minutes into the first episode, which is about an hour long. So there's still a ton left to watch from that episode alone. And trust me, there is a lot that happens in this show. I thought that this was going to be one of those shows that deals with a new case every two or three episodes, but they do all tie in together in quite an interesting way. But before I get to my likes and dislikes, here's a promo from my friend Kevin over at the Jury Room Podcast. If you love true crime podcasts, definitely go and give Kevin a listen. He does an absolutely amazing job. I did an episode with him a while ago about Casey Anthony and it was a great experience. He also created the cover art for Have You Seen It? True Crime Edition, the little spin-off podcast that I do with friends, and he is going to join me on that podcast at some point and I can't wait, but here is his promo. Hi. Welcome to the jury room a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Please make sure you go subscribe and leave a review. Okay, so for my likes and dislikes, first, what I didn't really like about the show, and it was that the acting at times wasn't very good, and it did make some points kind of hard to watch because of secondhand embarrassment, which I suffer from a lot. But other than that, like other than like the bad acting, I really did like the show. It was one of those shows that got better as it went on. It kind of picked up. It was a little slow at the beginning, maybe because their episodes were like a little bit longer than most shows that I watched. 
I like that you learn about some of the customs and beliefs of Lebu people. Anytime I can learn about any other culture that's not mine, I'm up for it. I liked some of the transitions in the show, like the way that they went from one scene to another. I thought some of them were actually pretty clever. But my favorite thing about this show is the French-speaking parrot that the pathologist has in his office. The fact that birds can speak to begin with is crazy to me. And before anybody is like, they don't actually know what they're saying. They're just, I don't care. Okay. It's insane. There's a Spanish speaking parrot on TikTok that blows my mind because that bird is speaking and that bird is 100% having conversations. But listening to a bird speak any language is crazy. Listening to a bird speak Spanish or French was wild and I loved every single second of it. But overall, I liked this show. It's not my favorite, but if there ever was going to be a second season, I would probably watch it. It does end with some answer questions that I would like to know the answers to, and also I'd like to see how some of the storylines for some of the other characters develop, because there were some that seemed forced a little, so I'd like to see them play out to see if they really were forced, if it was, or if they were like looking at the long game. But if you guys watched the show, let me know what you liked or didn't like about it. Next is the things that stood out, and the obvious ones are some of the different beliefs and traditions of the Lebu people that you see. I'm not going to go into exactly what they are because they do talk about them in the show. They do kind of play a part in the overall storyline of the show, so I don't want to go into specifics, but I did want to just mention them because I enjoy those kinds of things, like I said earlier, and it was interesting to see how they incorporated them into the storyline and how it brings Sako and Mangain together and how it affects them throughout the whole show. The one thing that I will mention again, and I do believe it was the label people who do this uh, they sacrifice a chicken in one of the episodes and you do see it so again if that is something that will upset you just be aware of it if you do watch the show probably should have mentioned it as a disclaimer but for the other things i noticed the first was that in the holding cell at the police station all of the men's shirts are removed i don't know if it's because it's hot in there and they take their shirts off or if they were fighting or something but every time you see the holding cell they all have their shirts off which is just it was a little weird. Something that I thought was really weird is the fact that Tubab smokes a cigar in the autopsy room while performing autopsies. I mean, the whole morgue doesn't look like a traditional morgue that you'd find here in the US. I don't know if it necessarily looks like a traditional morgue anywhere because every morgue that I've ever seen, especially like on American shows, they look sterile and clean and organized and bright lights. And this one doesn't look like any of those things. I mean, he has a French-speaking bird in the autopsy room. I don't know where that falls on the health and safety codes. I, I just, I, it was, it was different. The last thing that I noticed that I'll mention is some guy wears a Barcelona jersey. Just makes me happy seeing them. If you guys watch the show and anything stands out to you, then please let me know. So next are the words and phrases that I was able to pick up while watching this show. The first is the word cat, spelled K-H-A-T-H, and it means asshole. And according to the show, it is Lebu Wolof, which is the language spoken by the Lebu people that I mentioned earlier. The rest of them are all in French. So first, the only word that I was able to pick up, Lu, spelled L apostrophe E-A-U, and it means water. The other three are phrases, and so the first one is je ne sais pas, spelled J-E space N-E space S-A-I-S space P-A-S. And it means, I don't know, je ne sais pas. I feel like I should have known that one, but whatever. 
And the next two phrases are phrases that I want to learn in every language, and they are fermatabouche, spelled F-E-R-M-E space T-A space B-O-U-C-H-E, and it means shut up. The little translation is close your mouth, but even if you were to say close your mouth in English in the right tone, it would mean and be received as shut up. And the last one is jatamerd, spelled J-E space T apostrophe E-M-M-E-R-D-E, and it means fuck you. My favorite phrase to learn. So again, those are cut, lou, je ne sais pas, ferme ta bouche, and je t'amerde. If you guys are able to pick up any new words or phrases, then let me know. And of course, if any of these are wrong, then let me know that as well so I can correct any mistakes. I don't want to be out here thinking I'm saying one thing and I'm actually saying something completely different because that would be embarrassing. I wasn't able to recognize any of the actors in this show. If you guys are able to recognize anyone, please let me know. But that's all I have for you guys for this show. I know it wasn't a very long episode. I haven't seen anything about a second season yet, um, but if I do, I of course will let you all know. I really did like this show, so if you guys do give it a chance, let me know what you guys thought about it. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OfficialHYSI. You can check out the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash OfficialHYSI. If you have any show suggestions or feedback, you can email me at HaveYouSeenIt1 at gmail.com. I hope you all have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend, stay safe and healthy, and I will see you next week where I will be talking about the drama Gloria from Portugal. Have you seen it? Because I have.